I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Do you think we'll hear this week? Um, I mean, we always hear at least a week later than the latest date they say we're going to hear. So if history is any indication, no, I think we will not. Right. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in LA, although temporarily Minnesota, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we're going to talk to high-powered TV writing twins, Janika and Jashika James, about their new book, Living Double, How Identical Twins Unlocked the Door to Success in Hollywood. I'm so excited to talk to them. Yes. Then we'll amplify a fantastic podcast that spotlights Korean-American culture. And this week's Hollywood hack will ensure that you're not sitting in the shadows during a Zoom meeting. But first, we have an update, or Sarah, I guess sort of a message from Brooke. Many of you know our former assistant, Brooke, who um, then went on to become a staff writer on The Fix and has had all sorts of jobs since and is doing wonderfully in her career. But she has a message for everyone. Yes. So Brooke posted on Instagram. Um, her Instagram is at Brooke Sitgraves. For any of you who don't follow her, you should. She posted a video of some friends dancing beside their car, and she wrote, My booze at Melly Mel Jones and Zay surprised me with a mood pickup dance party. I watched at a great distance from the roof because I have COVID. Sharing this in case you think you can't get it. You absolutely can. I live alone. I work from home. I'm the friend you don't invite out because I'm not going. I carry an industrial-sized sanitizing spray bottle around with me. I always wear a mask. And a week before having symptoms and a positive test, I had a negative test, a test I took as a precaution because I had to go inside the veterinary office days prior. I know everyone is taking their own calculated risks, making exceptions for some things because it's been a hard fucking year and mental health. 
But guess what happens to your mental health when you're worried if you gave this to a family member or a friend, worried about adding undue stress to already stressed healthcare workers when you have to take your oxygen levels multiple times a day, when you're counting down the days to make sure your symptoms don't worsen or, God forbid, please understand this thing is everywhere. Now is the time to be vigilant. So I'm begging you to be safe. Cancel holiday and all non-essential travel. And if you can, stay your ass at home. Thankful to all my friends, fam, who've delivered food, asked to deliver food, checked in, sent smell goods I wish I could smell, helped calm my anxious mind with movies, music, and dancing, given homeopathic suggestions, and made target runs. So, Brooke, we love you. We're so glad you're feeling better. And thank you for sharing this. We think it's so important. Yes, because I do think, Sarah, I know I fall prey to feeling like, well, I haven't gotten it yet, so I'm sure I won't get it. No, we can all still get it. We have to stay vigilant. We all have pandemic fatigue. Yeah. But everyone who gets it, even if they have mild symptoms, says, like, just try not to get it because it's just very stressful, um, even aside from the illness. So yeah. anyway, Brooke, get better soon. Thank you for that, sharing that. And Sarah, now it is time to talk to the twins. Yes, such a transition, like an emotional transition. (laughs) Everyone come with us from this very serious message from Brooke to now we're going to talk to the Wonder Twins. Okay, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's Wonder Twin Power specifically Wonder Twins and writing partners Janika and Jashika James. Their new book, Living Double, How Identical Twins Unlocked the Door to Success in Hollywood, is a behind-the-scenes look at how they made it in the competitive world of TV writing. Janika and Jashika's love of TV grew out of watching movies and TV on video as children living on an army base in Germany and later watching soap operas with their grandmother in Florida. After doing many and varied jobs in Hollywood, they rose up the ranks from staff writers to supervising producers on Fox's groundbreaking hit series Empire. I loved that show. Currently, they serve as co-executive producers on HBO Max's Gossip Girl and are developing a USA pilot. Philly Rain, alongside Oscar-nominated actress Mary J. Blige. Janika and Jashika, welcome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Hi, ladies. Thank you for having us. Well, we got an advanced copy of your book. So we it's out today, but we read it and it's so great. It is so down to earth. Um, I love that you went from watching recorded videotapes of the Golden Girls, like on the floor of your living room in Germany, <laughs> to writing for one of the biggest shows in history. I think anybody who wants to make it in Hollywood, whether it's as a writer or something else, should read this book because it really tells the story of how you can go from, like, not even thinking you know what a job in Hollywood is to, you know, being incredibly successful. Okay, so first we have to ask you, as high school friends, we're high school friends who became writing partners. So we thought we were close and our relationship was tight. What is it like to have your identical (laughs) twin as your writing partner? It's so much fun. It's so, and I'm sure you guys are just like sisters, you know, as, as best friends from high school. It's very, it's very interesting in the room sometimes because we obviously, I mean, in our book, we talk about how, you know, from the womb to the world, we literally have been together since in the womb. Um, And so we just have a shorthand with each other. 
Um, mm-hmm. That can sometimes be a little odd and uncomfortable for some of our writing peers, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, I remember years ago when uh, uh, the, the way that Sheikah and I, as sisters, were talking to each other, we were a little snippy. And I, I don't like to call it snippy or fighting. I actually, I, I said we have um, um, spirited, mm-hmm. <laughs> spirited conversation, spirited dialogue. And um, it, sometimes it makes people a little uncomfortable, but they don't, they, they're not used to the fact that like, you know, in like two seconds, we're like totally fine. It's just the way that we talk to each other, you know? Um, but it's good to have somebody in the room that kind of has your back. And, and, and my sister and I, we have this thing where um, if I'm not articulating a pitch, you know, as well as I want to, she kind of sweeps in and she can finish my sentence and, and, mm. you know, the same with her. So that's really helpful. And and you guys know, as writing partners, it's helpful to kind of, you know, go through some of the things that you go through in a writing room and not have to be alone. You can kind of go outside of the room and, yes. and talk about it and let it all go, you know? So it's, it's been really, really great. Right, right. And I was just going to say, it helps you navigate room politics too, yes. right? You know, like so that you, you have somebody that you can confide in <laughs> without, time. you know, creating like yes. a mess. We always say like, it's just nice in this business to have one person you can totally trust. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. So, you know, yes. she has my back. I have hers. And, um, you know, sometimes we get a little spirited, but, you know, we're, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you're both clearly incredibly driven. Does that come from your parents? That's a good question. I do believe a lot of it does stem from, like, our dad is, you know, an entrepreneur. He owns his own business, um, landscaping. My mom, we grew up with my mom in a single-parent household because they divorced when we were two. And I think a lot of it comes from watching her, you know, like the things that she would do. It wasn't until years later, my mom, you know, the way that we were raised, whatever issues she may have had, we never knew about it because she always made sure Mm. that we were taken care of. And it wasn't until years later, I remember calling her crying. I was working on Desperate Housewives. I was crying about my paycheck. (laughs) I was like, Mm. I make this Mm. amount of money per week. And then they take out taxes and I'm only getting paid this much. And this is ridiculous. And I remember her telling me, she said, wow, she said, that's a lot more than what I made with the two of you working in the Air Force. And that completely wow. shut me up. It shut me up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think, Nika? Like, in, in terms of like our, our ambition, it really does come from seeing her do it all by herself for the most part. And mm. so absolutely. I was just about to say, I'm watching her, you know, work as hard as she did um, and never, never let us um, kind of be privy to all of the things that she had to do to take care of us. We mm. were kind of a, a middle class, but she never, you know, and we were really like technically like lower middle class, you know what I mean? Like probably like bordering on, you know, poverty levels based on what she was telling Sheikah about her actual paycheck <laughs> when she was raising <laughs> us. But um, we never, we never grew up feeling that way, you know? So that was always a blessing. And, and like she said, well, my dad, his entrepreneurial spirit, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, we're in this business, but we also were like, uh, at a certain point, we want to run our own show, you know, one day, just because you kind of want to, you know, do your own thing. And, and, yeah. and it's, it's something that we kind of, there's a combination of, of both of them running through us. Now, you guys both talk about, which we love because we talk about this also, and it is so true. Yeah. You talk about how being a TV writer has a lot in common with being a salesperson. Oh, um, how have you improved your selling skills over the years? It's so important. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It is so important. It's the thing that we hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So do we, for the record. We hate it, but it's just true. (laughs) Right. It is what it is. I'm just like, can't you just like read the stuff that I write and just decide whether or not you want to make it or not and just let me go off and do this? Um, But it's interesting because I started off in sales and and, and literally right before I, I went to grad school, I was a what we called a media consultant for Valpac. And it just meant that I sold coupons to businesses. <laughs> but it, but I never knew that that was like a skill set that would, you know, pr- you know, probably be really beneficial to me as a writer. And it's something that, you know, it comes with practice. We talk about this a little bit in the book too. Just, I mean, my voice still shakes when, I, when we're, we're pitching ideas to, yeah. you know, to networks and, and, and studio executives, regardless of how confident I'm, we may or may not come off, you know, um, at times. It's just, it's nerve wracking, you know, and um, when, when you are vulnerable and putting out something that you want to create into the world, you know, in front of people, you know, who are basically going to judge it and make the decision on whether they think it's interesting enough to make. No, I just want to jump in real quick and say that in terms of like how what we over the years, I think we've shifted our perspective too, because there was a part of me that always looked at it as, well, I'm not an actor, I'm not a performer, like this is not what I signed up mm-hmm. for. So, so but I think I shifted my perspective around it and that has helped us get better as time goes by. But like like Nick said, we're still nervous. Now the meetings are on Zoom, so it's a little bit better because Yeah. <laughs> That's helping, right? <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you all know about beta blockers, but I take a beta blocker before now. I knew that pitch, was coming. And that stops the adrenaline and it keeps your voice from shaking and your hands from shaking. Oh, yes. Yes. oh my gosh. Well, we were in the Fox writing program. One of our friends was like, Yeah, I took a beta blocker because if not, I'm just going to start sweating profusely in the middle yeah. of our pitching. So, yeah, no, no, totally, totally. Oh my gosh. Well, in the book, you guys talk about how race played a different role in your lives at different times, like when you were in Germany, in the army, like there was all kinds of people. Then when you were in Florida, it was very different. How did those experiences, well, one, help you navigate Hollywood? And I'm also curious if you think it's different now from when you arrived. I think um, we're grateful for just the diverse experience that we had growing up. Um, I attribute that to being a military kid because it is like, it's so weird how like you don't really know about race until you, um, you know, come into, you know, the layman world. You know what I mean? Like outside of military protocol and, 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 and base housing and schooling, we just were like, wait, what? Like, oh, the black kids are over here. <laughs> The gifted kids are over here. Oh, like, you know, the white kids are over here. You know, the Mexican kids, the Puerto Ricans. I mean, and that's literally how it was like kind of split up for us in in, in Florida uh, growing up. It's interesting, too, because um, we kind of talk about how like growing up in Florida was a little bit. It felt more like more of a melting pot, even though California is probably just mm. as diverse as Florida. It was different when we moved out here because <laughs> it was like, oh, OK. Like there's Koreatown, there's little Ethiopia there. You know what I mean? It was just, right. I was like, it's diverse, but everybody doesn't really intermingle as much as when we were kind of growing up in Tampa. Everybody was just very Tampanian, white, black, Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. Panamanian, whatever. They're just all very Tampa. And and I, I don't even know how Tampa and Florida is right now. Cause that was like 15 years ago. I always tell people Florida has like changed drastically um, since we mm. left the state. Uh. But I, I think as part of that kind of diverse upbringing, like we, we've just always been able, those kids um, that made friends with everybody. And so like the, the groups of friends or people um, in various sectors in our high schools growing up 
um, that didn't necessarily hang together. Um, they were kind of forced to because everybody loved Nika and Shika. So that's how it would be. Mm. And that's kind of how we've been since we moved out here. And we're just able to kind of step into any crowd, you know, and, 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 and feel at home. So I'm, I feel very grateful to our diverse upbringing to be able to feel that way. And I know that that's not necessarily the case for, you know, all of our peers. Yeah, I was just going to, yeah. I literally was just going to add the last part that you said was that it has helped us be able to jump into any room. You know, we're so, we're so, again, being military brats, we're so used to um, leaving and going to so many different schools. And, you know, I, I used to be so angry about it when I was a kid, but at the same time, it has helped us in life be able to do that on the job, right? Because, you know, so many jobs, you mm-hmm. can either be there for seasons if it's a hit show or just one, uh, you know, or two seasons, depending on where you are in your career. And um, it has allowed us to basically be able to acclimate in a room very well. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting because we're from the South. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm speaking to um, what Liz was saying about, like, do we think things have kind of shifted, you yes. know, currently with race? It's interesting, like, being in Hollywood and California where it's, like, progressive. But I, I find that there is uh, some uncomfortableness, you know, sometimes with kind mm. of just dealing with race and, and, and also even even in, you know, writing rooms, you know, when you're <laughs> discussing and writing about certain characters and things like that. But, uh, you know, in the South, you know, people are really just kind of straight up and upfront with their racism. So you kind of know what mm. you're you're dealing oh, with, you know, uh, uh-huh. which, which makes it which is weird because it makes it actually easier to navigate. You know what I mean? Oh, OK, you don't mess with me. OK, cool. I don't mess with you either. As opposed to where um, I feel like sometimes out here in Hollywood, there's a little bit of discomfort and kind of just like, you know, putting all of our stuff out on the table. If that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. I think that is like something that we need to combat like totally. much more actively and openly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really come to light as a major problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think that like there was this train of thought that like, if we don't address it or don't talk about it and make it people uncomfortable, maybe it'll go away. And I think yeah. that we've definitely <laughs> yeah. saw this year that, no, that, that's not, that's not working. Help. It's not working. It's not <laughs> yeah. working. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, let's talk about Empire a little bit because it was such a huge hit. You were on that show with our friend Malcolm, who said that one of you, he calls one of you the bad twin. We don't yes. know which one. Um, <laughs> oh, Janika? Yeah, okay. Janika's raising her me. hand. Okay. Yeah. Yes, he's totally um, calling me as a bad twin. Yep. <laughs> um, so, was the fact that it was such a massive hit, did that make the job easier or harder? Because it seems like it would be a tremendous amount of pressure. I think it totally made it. It's a little bit of both. A little bit of both is what I would say. <laughs> I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, you know, as soon as when the show became a hit, it was like, oh, you couldn't tell the cast anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, and I <laughs> Yes. Right. <laughs> you know how it is. You have season one. Everybody's happy to be there. Um, season two, oh, we're a hit. We're the stars. You know, and then season three, you lose them. <laughs> But no, I, I, I feel like um, I feel like because, like Nika said, because of the room environment and atmosphere, um, it was yeah. very cool. It was a family environment. We had a lot of fun in that room. We had a lot of, you know, crazy times in that room. You know what I mean? Like, but mm-hmm. it, because it was a family, it was we were able to um, always, you know, kind of like get through a lot of the what would be like, you know, turmoil or 
um, you know, hiccups, you know, peaks and, va- peaks and valleys, yeah, triumphs mm-hmm. and tri- mm-hmm. all the, exactly. the adversity that we had. We were able to kind of get through it and get through it together. And because our show was so like in your face, you know, with topics, you know, whether it's like race or, you know, injustice and things that were going on, you know, that are very yeah. topical of the time, um, we didn't have time in that room, like be, you know, so political and so like, you know, concerned about like, every, everybody was basically in your face, you know what I'm saying? Like with your opinions and we would have spirited dialogues and then, and then, you know, hit the board and then, you know, get those scripts out. So, yeah. yeah. So obviously like there was pressure when there was so much media attention around the incredible like rise of that show during its first season. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, we were able to kind of navigate it and, and learn so much, you know, um, that has kind of made us like, it's like every other show is like a piece of cake now. You know what I mean? Like yes. even, even, even when they're hard. <laughs> compare. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you know, a lot of people who listen to Happier in Hollywood are aspiring writers. Um, and before we let you both go, I wanted to ask you, Jashika, to talk about revenge, yeah. because you're really open in the book about the fact that you, um, before you two were writing partners officially, you were staffed on revenge and you didn't get your contract renewed, which again happens to all of us. It's happened, <laughs> yeah. you know, we all go through this. But what advice do you wish you'd had as a staff writer? Because you talk about sort of now looking back, how you feel about that experience, because yeah. I think that's useful to people. Yeah, I think my advice would be to understand that not having your contract renewed is a rite of passage um, for writers. Like somebody <laughs> told me that when, when I was on, on Empire, they were just like, every writer gets fired. Like, you're not a real writer if, you're not, if you don't get fired from the show. And yeah. I didn't know that back then. I think I was so devastated because it was my first job. I had worked so hard to get to that position as a staff writer. And I feel like I was so heartbroken that I almost could have turned away and left, you know, my mm-hmm. path of, you know, this mm-hmm. journey of writing for television. And my advice for aspiring writers is to please continue. Like even, like Nika said, in the peaks and the valleys, like we're going to have good times, you're going to have bad times, but just keep going. Just please keep going. Don't give up. <laughs> and you talk yeah. about declare yourself a writer, which I think is huge because I think you both were hesitant to do that. You weren't sure you kind of could step into that. Yeah. yeah. But declaring it, and then you also talk about defining your dream yes. very specifically, yes. um, which again is one reason I think this book is so great is because you talk about these sort of practical things uh, well, there, it's sort of practical and sort of transcendent, but like it meets in the middle. Um, and it's really true. Like if you want to be a television writer, you need to just say you're a writer and write and yep. then move forward. Exactly. Absolutely. I recognize now it's all about owning it. We were in such this um, humble space of like, this is a big lofty goal and this is what we aspire to do. We and I remember a professor telling me a long time ago, take off aspiring, just declare what it is. And you don't realize how powerful yeah. you are in just speaking into the world what it is that you want to be. You know what I mean? Just very definitively. It really it really helps a lot. So, yeah, that is something that, you know, I, I, we would also say, you know, just be very firm and clear in declaring it powerfully yes. <laughs> and then walk walk in it walk as if it's already happened that's that's also something mm. that i'm learning to do we're trying to we're practicing that right now we're trying to become showrunners so we're like you know what that's what we are that's what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's yep. do it. <laughs> yes. It's so true. I remember when we were our, like our first show running job, we were just like, okay, we have to now this. Yeah, we've never done it before, but we are showrunners yes. yes. and you have to identify yourself as that. And then I think afterwards, people are often will kind of backpedal and be like, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to go backwards now. And you have to be like, no, we are showrunners. Exactly. 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 So, and I love that you guys have been together since high school. I love that so uh, much. <laughs> we all have a lot in common. We could, we, yeah. we understand <laughs> each yeah, other. Sure. Post COVID, I am sensing a dinner in our oh, future. Yes. Oh, absolutely. 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 Yes. yes. <laughs> Well, Janika and Jashika, thank you so much for joining us. Um, congratulations on the book. Uh, listeners, you can follow the twins. I'm sure people call you the twins all the time. Yes, yep. Um, on Instagram <laughs> at Janika James and, and at Jashika James. And anyone who has a dream about anything needs to read this book. Yes, which is out today. Yes, and you can find it at livingdoublebook.com. Thank Great. you. Excellent. LivingDoubleBook.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Coming up, we're going to amplify a podcast about Korean-American art and culture. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, it's time for our new segment, Amplify, in which we amplify the voices and work of women and people of color. This week, we want to tell you about K-Pod, a podcast about Korean Americans in arts and culture, hosted by Juliana San and Katherine Hong. They interview people like comedian Margaret Cho and designer Carol Lim and Facebook creative director G. Lee. Sarah, I found this podcast because one of the hosts, Catherine Hong, was my roommate freshman year in college. <laughs> and I just have to note that she was a great roommate, but I was not because as messy as I am now, it's nothing compared to how messy I was back then. Um, so I owe her. She went by Kathy then. Um, Kathy, I owe you an apology for that. It's funny because I visited you Thanksgiving of our freshman year, and <sighs> I remember I stayed in your room, and I remember a distinct difference <laughs> between your side of the room and her side of the room. Yes, yes. But I love this podcast, Sarah, because they do great interviews with people who are huge in art and culture, but who I may not know a lot about. And one of the things I love that in every conversation, I feel like I learn something new about Korean-American culture or, and Korean culture. And they also share a lot about the immigrant experience. 
Yes. So many of the people um, interviewed either are immigrants themselves or their parents were immigrants. So you just hear a lot about what it's like to grow up in that kind of household. And, you know, there's oftentimes a lot of pressure to become a doctor or a lawyer. And of course, these are all people who chose not to become doctors and lawyers. Um, So I loved hearing about sort of how they made their path and how their parents dealt with it and how their family reacted and how they feel now that they're so successful. So anyway, K-Pod, I really recommend it. You'll be entertained and you will quite likely learn something. Coming up, we've got an absolutely essential Hollywood hack. But first is break. Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. And now it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, ring lights. Yes, we pitched on Zoom the other day. And I mean, I just have to tell you, I don't have a ring light. And I was like, literally had Violet standing on the kitchen counter, moving <laughs> like light, you know, um, those ceiling lights that move around, whatever they call, they're called, um, and like trying like 12 different combinations of lights and moving things around until I look decent. You, on the other hand, have a ring light. You just flipped your ring light on <laughs> and suddenly you look amazing. Well, you know, Gretchen, my sister, sent it to me months ago, and I hadn't used it. And now that I used it once for that Zoom, I can't believe I lived without it. And I know we've mentioned ring lights on the podcast, but we wanted to specifically make it a hack this week because we realized just how much better you look with a ring light. There are so many out there. The one I have is, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Ubeezy. U-B-E-E-S-I-Z-E-T-R-50. And one thing that's nice about it is that there are a few different settings. Like your light can be more blue or more yellow, um, which is Mm. good. So you can kind of tailor it to yourself. Now, I will say for those of us who wear glasses, oftentimes you can see the ring light reflected in your glasses and people on Zoom can see that. I see it in other people's glasses. But if you sort of tilt your head a bit, Usually you can make it go away, but that's just something to be aware of. Well, and that's the funny thing, because now that you have a ring light and I'm like aware of seeing your ring light, now I'm so I'm like, oh, that person has a ring light. That person has a ring light. That person has a ring light. They're out there. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like at this point, it's just acceptable to have a ring light reflected in your glasses on Zoom because it just, you know, it's just the world we live in. It's just something everyone accepts at this point. The way people accept that you're 
phone is constantly pinging or your, you know, your Apple watch <laughs> is buzzing. It's like people just know you're going to have a ring light reflecting. Yeah, or your, your kid glasses. is walking by in the background. Exactly. So anyway, <laughs> for all of you who've been holding off thinking, oh, I don't need a ring light, just get one. It's a really affordable way to make to make you look more professional. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our guests, Janika and Jashika James. Read their new book, Living Double, How Identical Twins Unlock the Door to Success in Hollywood. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sankola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sankola Sound. And thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at SFain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, did you look at Brooke's Instagram post? I did. The dancing. Her friends. Oh, my God. They're so sweet. It was. I was looking, like, scrolling through, and I was like, I think that's... That looks like my street. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's Brooke. She's on my roof. <laughs> that would definitely have cheered me up, having friends dance in the street if I was sick. Oh, I know. Oh, I'm watching them again now. It's so cute. From the Onward Project. <laughs>